welcome. You are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, things have been hectic for all of us for, you know, a good hot minute, and they don't seem to be changing for at least another couple weeks. Uh, Dylan's out tonight, and because we thought it would do him a disservice to continue on with our regularly scheduled topic of the show, we have decided to scrap that until next week and do a little catch-up episode on everything that we've been playing and watching and doing since we last sat down to record an episode. So that all out of the way, I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined almost as always by the one and only Austin Cash Me Outside Stevens. How's it going, man? It's going great. What was that nickname about? Where, where, where did that come from? I don't know. I was trying to think of a, a way to get like a catch up. Oh, okay. Together. I see what you did. And I, I, I don't I, like it, but I see what you did. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I like <laughs> it either. To be completely honest with you, man, fuck Dylan for getting for for being out. I was excited for that topic. I actually researched for that topic, and I was hyped yeah. about it. So, well, fuck just him. keep that research in the back of your mind. I'm gonna have to do it again next week. So I'm gonna forget by the time next uh, week rolls around. So yeah, probably. We'll We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but it's going to be a cool one, man. I'm I'm excited to do that one as well. Yeah, there there's some really interesting. Uh, there there's some really interesting uh, 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 movies in development right now. So, do you know Disney is working on a Mega Man film? Uh, I didn't know that they were working on one, but I knew that Netflix had some sort of animated thing coming along. Yeah, so apparently, uh, back in 2016, uh, Fox uh, f- uh, fo- Fox announced that they were... I don't know why the fuck I just stuttered so hard. Fox announced that they were working on a live-action Mega Man film, and then when Disney bought the company, uh, what, like mid-2019? Um, yeah. They took no. every... I think it was 2019. I think it was like mid-to-late mid, 20, mid to late 2019. Yeah, I think they may have started negotiations in like 2018. Yeah, so they, but then Disney announced like, hey, yeah, Fox had all these projects, but we scrapped them, every fucking one of them. Um, but then in December of 2019, Disney did announce that one project they did keep from Fox that they are still developing is a live action Mega Man film. And I'm kind of kind of excited about that. That could be cool. It's Disney. They're not going to do terrible. Uh, well, uh, Maybe. We'll see. See. Yeah, we'll see. I, it's gonna, it's I, gonna be like a Marvel styled Mega Man movie. I have fucking zero faith in anything that Disney does. To be quite honest with you, really, they're putting out some good shit right now. Are they? Uh, Are they putting out some good shit? Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Okay, uh, but those are also part of the MCU, and only yeah, but it's still Disney. Feel like an MCU film. That is true, but it's still Disney. Uh, fucking uh, Raya, Raya the Last Dragon. Well, you don't have kids, but Raya the Last Dragon uh, yeah, was a good movie. I haven't movie. watched it yet, so Coco is a great movie. I love Coco. Uh, yeah, Coco? I'll, give, I'll give the I'll give them the the Pixar stuff for sure. Like Dude, Coco was, was a great, phenomenal, was great. Film. Um, what's Moana? The, uh, I think I like Moana, Moana was just regular Disney. Yeah, I like Moana um, a lot. Hang on, I'm. Pixar. There's a new one coming out that looks kind of cute. Um, Who did Big Hero Six? 
That was just regular Disney. That's, that's a, such a good movie. Um, I love that movie. Uh, feature films and shorts, maybe. Uh, list of Pixar films. Here we go. All right. Uh, Luca is mm. the new one that they're doing. But, uh, oh, Onward. Onward was cute. I don't think I saw that one. That one was the one that that's set in like the kind of like D and D world with um, Tom Holland and yeah no 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 yeah uh, uh, Madison and Josie watched it while I was at work one day and they said it was really good yeah I might have um, checked that out so that one was pretty cute uh, Soul was really good so I'll, I'll yeah I missed that one too um, I haven't seen that one yet yeah I don't watch that. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not. I I I have to be honest with you. Like even as good as like some of these recent ones were, the last one that really I felt was like, yeah, this is this is the shit was Inside Out, and before that, that was it a was good film. Yeah. B- before that, it was Toy Story three, which never seen a Toy Story movie. Dude, Toy Story three is incredible. That like that's to to me that's the last. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, maybe Inside Out. Yeah, but but Inside Out is a really good fucking movie. That is actually a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I I remember when we when we watched Coco for the first time with Josie. Josie did not give a fuck about that movie at all. But like. And I, I really don't think Madison did either. I mean, she liked it, but she wasn't like super into it while we were watching it. Dude, by the end of that movie, I was squalling. I was like inconsolably squalling. Hmm. That is such a good fucking movie. I love that movie. But <laughs> video games, that's what we're here for today. Are we? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. Are we ever? Because it usually just turns into random bullshit and come talk by like halfway through. That's almost always the case. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, I mean, let's go ahead and get into it, what we've been doing. You, you just got back from vacation. I did. Or, or well, you got back from vacation like a uh, what, like four or five days ago. Yeah, Sunday came back. Or yeah, uh, no, was it Saturday? I think it was Saturday. Came back. Yeah, I dude, I was so ready to be home by like Thursday night. I was like, God damn it, I just want to go. Yeah, I just want to lay like. I think that the perfect time to be on vacation is like four days. I think that's like the perfect. Because usually after, because like after the fourth day, I was kind of like, this is tight, but I'm spending a lot of fucking money. Like a lot. Yep. Like too much. Mm -hmm. Like so much so that I'm stressed about it. I mean, yeah. I, I feel you on that. Like uh, me and Kayla, we're we're going to back to Miami in uh, yeah. two weeks, mm-hmm. two two ish weeks, and uh, I have pretty much everything uh, bought and paid for. Is in terms of like I, I know our flight is done, our hotel is done, but oh, okay, but we're we're going to have to like buy food, food the entire time we're there and anything you want to do. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm ever so slightly worried just because mm-hmm. I, I am the kind of person who likes to make sure that I always have money in my bank account, regardless of yeah, how much it is. Um, and I feel it, that. 
idea that I might be running below the amount that I usually like to have in it is worrisome to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Um, I will say the, the biggest takeaway that I got from this vacation, Bush Gardens is bullshit and a complete waste of fucking money and I will never go back. Oh, yeah? Yeah, never. I will never go back to that shit again. I spent $500 to do nothing but walk in the fucking Florida's heat. That's it. That's it. $500. I could have done that. I could have just walked a couple miles on the beach or around the fucking camper that we were staying in. I could have done that shit for free. But no, I paid $500 for all four of us to get inside of Bush Gardens. I... I I will give Florida this. I gave Flor. I, I expected Florida just because it, it's fucking Florida. If anybody listens to this and you're from Florida and you're offended, I'm sorry. But like, it's fucking Florida. The last thing I expected Florida to care about were masks. I was wrong. Everywhere we went was ridiculously fucking strict about that. Like we went when we were at Bush Gardens, even when you're just like. Walking, like just walking to something, you cannot have your mask below your nose. They will come and say something to you every single time. The moment that shit, because like I have a big fucking nose. So like sometimes when I talk, it pulls my mask down because I have such a big nose. And every single time my mask even dripped below my nose, an employee would come up and say, hey, sir, we need you to pull your mask up. I was like, bitch, it's 98 degrees out here. Can you give yeah. me a goddamn second? Also, the food at Bush World sucks. Terrible. I I paid for uh, I paid for all day dining with all the tickets, so we got all the food for free or whatever. And it sounded like a good deal because they're like, oh, you don't just get three meals; you can actually get a free meal and a large drink every hour that you're there that day. Mm. So like that sounds dope until you realize the food is really bad. I got like some smokehouse ribs. Dog, that was all fat covered in barbecue sauce on a bone. There was no meat on those fucking ribs whatsoever. And they were I mean, gross. But uh, I they feel didn't like eat. that's theme park food in general. I don't know, man. I I, I, I can get down with some Six Flags food. Ugh, I can get down with not it. Not me. Really? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, you just get like a hot dog or something. I mean, sure, you're going to spend 15 bucks on a hot dog, but like. Yeah, I'm definitely not paying that much money for food that that's bad. That that is that's that fair, that, but it's it's the convenience of it though, mm. you know. Mm. I um, it, it kind of sucked because we went. My I was so excited because oddly enough, my favorite animal, I guess my favorite like quote unquote exotic animal, in the world, are sloths. I think they are the cutest fucking thing. Every single sloth in that bitch was asleep. Every goddamn one of them. <laughs> so they were just curled up in a ball hanging from the tree asleep. And I was like, well, that's no fun. They they had a kangaroo exhibit where you – or not exhibit. That's a – they had a kangaroo thing where you could like walk in the room and they had like three kangaroos that you could pet and like feed and play with them. And we were like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's take the kids to do that. And they were like, mm, your kids have to be five and older to go in the room. <laughs> uh, fun fact because I didn't know. Uh, kangaroos actually uh, emit a special kind of bacteria that is very deadly to people under the age of five. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So that's why that's that rules there. And I was like, you know, I get it, but this is still a massive inconvenience for me. Mm. 
but the trip was cool. The beach was pretty. Uh, the beach was at, I mean, the weather was super great while we were there. It wasn't too hot. Uh, the wind was pretty consistent and pretty strong. So like when we were on the beach, like, uh, the last day that we were that the last full day we had there, we went to the beach pretty much most of the day and it was real cloudy. The wind was moving. I mean, it was just literally like the perfect setting to be on the beach. And, uh, it was great. I realized my son, uh, is a fucking horn dog and I'm not sure what to do about that. Cause he's only two, <laughs> uh, every single time a girl in a bikini walked by, he would lose his shit. He would just fucking lose. And at one point we're sitting on the shore looking for seashells, uh, me and Josie in August and, uh, a group, of group of cute little girls in, in, in some bikinis walk by this motherfucker lays down in the sand with the Titanic pose and he's got like his fucking head rested. He's smiling and blushing and waving at him. And I was like, you're a fucking animal. That's amazing. <laughs> Every time we went out to eat, if we got a female waitress dog, his eyes were glued to that waitress the whole time. That's absolutely hilarious. We we went to one place called, uh, called butters burgers, which if you're ever in Tampa, highly fucking recommend that place was delicious. Um, and the moment he saw our waitress, his jaw hit the fucking table, and he just watched. He just watched her like a hawk the whole fucking time. He didn't even eat because he was too busy about what that bitch was doing. <laughs> so I'd, I'll have to take uh, him to Hooters or something, man. He's fucking he's, – he's wild, but it was great. It was great. I got a cool little week break, break for my monotonous day-to-day -day bullshit, and it was awesome. I spent too much money. We found an anime store while we were there. Go fucking figure. And I uh, spent way too much money in there. So it was cool. Oh, Lord. It was real cool. Well, uh, while you were doing that, I was working on my script for uh, for my first video back on YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, also, the first one that'll be going back or will be going um, early for patrons. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've stated it here before, uh, but it's going to be about Seinfeld and Arrested Development and basically why they're my two favorite sitcoms, uh, which is because of how well they're written. Or, well, not necessarily how well they're written, although they are written incredibly well. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, I should not drink beer and then host the show. <laughs> um but uh not yeah they're they're written incredibly well but like they're written very different from like almost every other sitcom i've ever watched like ever um the only other ones that come kind of close are probably uh it's always sunny yeah that that might be the only one <laughs> but Damn. um but yeah uh so Doing that has required me to watch uh, a bunch of episodes of both those shows and some other sitcoms and taking notes on those. And that's that's more or less how I spent my week while you're gone. Uh, I mean, we're I'm, we're about to talk about some other things. Yeah, obviously. But but yeah, you For were sure. gone and I did that. <laughs> so well, that's cool. Doing something productive. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Uh, well, with that said, uh, let me go ahead and I'll, I'll knock out my first thing here on the list. Okay. So Kayla and I watched the howling, mm -hmm. uh, 
This is a 1981 horror flick directed by Joe Dante that is about a female reporter that is attacked by a serial killer and then kind of takes a sabbatical to deal with that trauma uh, at the behest of her her therapist. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unbeknownst to her, the retreat to or her retreat to the location is uh, a is also a colony of werewolves. Yeah. Oh, so, oh. yeah. <laughs> OK, it, this this movie goes places, man. That got weird. So it's based on a book from 1977, I believe. Mm hmm. And the story about how this movie uh, kind of came to be is fascinating. It's almost like all these moving parts that were supposed to be going to like different projects happened. Mm-hmm. And then those other parts like either fell apart or like s- s- some other stuff got in the way. And then it kind of just everything just kind of came together yeah. uh, to make the movie happen. But uh, the one thing about this is that the original draft of the script was really, really faithful to the book and it, the book takes itself really fucking seriously, like almost overly seriously. Mm -hmm. And the original, um, the original screenplay did the same thing. Uh, like it was very, uh, very like just, serious like overly serious and so when it finally got around to uh joe dante's desk and he was like i'm going to be the guy directing it or whatever he hired john sales who is responsible for a bunch of really awesome movies or or, uh (laughs) b movies i guess is the is the correct way to phrase it really mm-hmm. um from the 70s and 80s like he wrote um he wrote alligator he wrote uh battle beyond the stars he wrote piranha um he actually worked on an early draft of et oh which is fucking cool um but yeah so this dude is like a who's who of of 80s cinema <laughs> yeah and he came in and was like, yeah, this, this needs some comedy to it. And that's really what I think separates it from the other kind of werewolf movies that had come around the same time. Like the same year was an American werewolf in London, which also adds comedy, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also had, uh, but was also that same year was Wolfen. Yeah, which is a super serious werewolf movie and also kind of weird because it it kind of deals with werewolves in a uh, more supernatural sense. And it, it, it like it's not strictly uh, werewolves. That, that mm-hmm. movie's just fucking weird. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, it basically John Sales came in and was like, uh yeah, I, I kind of want to do um, humor in this. And so he adds it in and uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. Okay, uh, here we go. I'm looking back at the outline now. Uh, so in order to do that, he kind of added in these meta elements 
that really kind of like are way ahead of their time. Like it kind of takes a look at stuff like, uh, like curse of the werewolf or I was a teenage werewolf or, uh, the wolf man and, uh, werewolf of London, stuff like that. Like all of these old movies that kind of like set about the tropes of what a werewolf would become in cinema. And then kind of just like pokes you with them. Like, uh, there's, there's a scene. I, I'm trying to remember who it involves, uh, like the character's name wise, but it's, it's basically the, the main, uh, woman's two friends, uh, who work at the, the news station with her and they're sitting down at night and they're watching the wolf man. Like, it's just like they're watching it. Yeah. And then there's another scene where they have like a big bad wolf cartoon playing and like they go to a, um, a, a, like a, an occult bookstore and like one of the characters there is, uh, is actually a, uh, it shares the same name with another like horror icon sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of runs with that, that meta nature and that even p- plays out into like the direction, like the direction is really good and weirdly like has a great way of mixing the comedy with the scares. Like the, the movie is actually really tense. I, I didn't, I had watched this before when I was like in my, a teenager yeah. and I remember thinking of it as a straight horror movie and coming to it. Now I see the comedy a lot more. Uh, but it still holds that sort of like horror uh, aspects to it. Like it's really effective. Um, but like the, there's a scene where uh, I forget her name, but she's played by Belinda Blasky uh, where she is in this doctor's office and she's searching through these files or whatever. And, and she's uh, sitting there, she's on the phone with someone and then she lifts the file out and she hands it to a werewolf's hand. And it's like, it's so fucking funny, but it's also like, oh fuck, like the werewolf's in there with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, the whole movie is kind of cast in this very soft, like haze that kind of makes it feel really dreamy and surreal. And I don't, necessarily like this aspect of it like i think that that uh dante was trying to like make it feel almost like a um like a like a picture book or like a fairy tale sort of thing and i don't i don't necessarily like that but the rest of the direction is really good uh the acting is really okay. It like it's totally fine. D. Wallace is great as usual. Um, the rest of the acting is just fine, including from a bunch of like great character actors like uh, Kevin McCarthy from the original uh, what's uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, is in this. Uh, Slim Pickens and John Carradine, who were great like Western actors, are okay. both in this. I mean, it's it's full of like all of these really well known actors from like the forties and fifties. Yeah, that's really cool. And then uh, I really the thing that I think shines the most is probably the special effects. And they're surprisingly really great. Like you would think the technology in 81 doesn't lend itself all that well to like 
like werewolf horror sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and I actually remember not liking the werewolf transformation in this nearly as much as the one that's in an American werewolf in London, but it really holds up like surprisingly well. And the, the kind of like final form of the werewolves is really effective. Like it looks really fucking scary. Like I, I was really impressed. And there's an, there's an entire sequence near the end of the movie where, uh, God, I, I keep forgetting her name, but D. Wallace's character, mm. the the main character, she's trying to get away with with the the male reporter friend guy, and they get into a cop car, and all these werewolves are around the cop car and like kind of attacking it and stuff, and you only really see like the heads and the arms and stuff like that, like scratching at the windows and like trying to get in and stuff. But it's really effective. Like I I was like, this is like a really harrowing like sequence uh but yeah i it's a really great little horror flick uh it nails pretty much everything that it attempts uh i it isn't a masterpiece uh but it's definitely like a top three or four werewolf movie like of all time i i really like this i'll check it out for sure it sounds really interesting sounds really cool yeah it's it's on shutter um shutter yeah i keep meaning to get an account to that it's good, man. It's only five bucks a month. That's not shit. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's not shit. Hell yeah. Uh, I'll for sure be checking that out. But uh, yeah, so you have been falling in love with a new trading card game. What is what is that? Yeah. I uh, So uh, funny enough, while we were in uh, in Tampa, we were the first full day that we were there. We didn't really have anything planned. And Madison was like, well, let's drive around to, like, some of the cool shops in the area and, like, just see what we find. And, you know, do a little shopping, go on a little shopping spree. So I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. Uh, We happened to stop at this little, like, um, uh, Mexican, like, like street taco thing, kind of. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't exactly remember what it was. But I was looking, I was like, I noticed that it was like a strip complex and that it had a second story. And I looked up to see what was on the second story. And I saw in the window this big ass uh, Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon poster, and I was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Oh shit, that's a fucking card shop." I was like, "Let me just go in there and see what they have." So I walked in the card shop, and you know, I was talking to the guys, just kind of looking around at the counters. Uh, super, super proactive on their COVID nineteen regulations. Uh, they they literally had a sign on the door that said, "If you walk in without a mask, you will not be given time to put a mask on. You will just be asked to leave." I was like, damn. Um, but I was looking and I noticed on the shelf that they had all three Digimon TCG starter decks that are super hard to find and don't and sell for well over $30 a piece. Um, so I was talking to him and I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and get two of the three because these places, this place was selling over retail. Um, the starter decks retail for, I think the MSRP is nine 99, uh, they were selling the yellow and blue starter deck for twenty nine ninety nine, and the red starter deck was thirty four ninety nine. Just because there's there were a couple better better cards in that one, um, which I I understand why all these card shops are selling over retail because even distributors are seeing how much money these game these card games are bringing in. Thus, they are charging card shops more than they normally would to actually get this product. Um, Mm -hmm. so therefore card shops have to take the price up a little bit to, you know, make ends meet off of it or whatever. So I bought it, 
Got it home, busted it open. Um, each starter deck came with a booster pack. First booster pack I opened had like a card that was going for like 45 bucks on fucking TCG player. Uh, it was a cool like hollow metal guru mon card. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm down for that. And I was like looking at the artwork and I was like, fuck, dude, like really digging this artwork. I think the artwork on these are really fucking cool. And then I came back home. Uh, David came over, David was like, me and David had talked about it previously, you know, having little interest in the game. And David was like, well, shit, like, do you want to try it out? I was like, sure. So we, we played together. I ended up going out, buying the third starter deck that I needed, buying a lot off of eBay and buying a fucking booster box. I bought an entire booster box. God damn, dude. <laughs> um, I really fucking enjoy this game. Uh, I think I've said it before on the podcast. I played Yu-Gi-Oh competitively until uh, 2019 when the game just got too toxic for me. But I I, I have not f- had this much fun playing a TCG in a long fucking time. I genuinely think this game is incredible. Um, if you have any interest in TCGs or Digimon as a whole, I wholeheartedly recommend if if you can find these for a good price, I do not recommend paying the amount of money that I paid because um, even booster boxes, MSRPs on booster boxes at card shops and other special stores is supposed to be $90. I paid 140 for this one, and that was cheap. That was the cheap end of the spectrum. Um, I th- like I think a booster box of because uh, there, there's only two there's only two sets out right now. The game's only two sets deep and um a booster box of the first set will run you like 250 bucks on eBay. Uh, just oh, because wow. just because of scalpers. It's solely because of scalpers. Um, but I got I, I got the booster box. And funny enough, Madison was like, you know, I'm not going to be mad at you buying that booster box if you somehow managed to pull the most expensive card in the set, which the most expensive card in the set was an Omnimon card that goes for like 130, 150 bucks, depending on where you're looking. First pack I opened out of that box was the most expensive card out of the set. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. And I I went through the box. I kept digging, kept tearing open packs. Madison was opening packs because Madison's like, I fucking hate card games and I fucking hate that you have anything to do with card games. But for some reason, opening booster packs is oddly satisfying. Uh, (laughs) So she helped me open a couple. Also, Madison has ridiculous fucking luck when it comes to booster packs. So even even when I played Yu-Gi-Oh, when I did get a booster box, I would literally give her half of the booster box. And I was like, open that, please get me some good shit. And she normally did. Um, but I ended up getting a lot of really cool cards that plus the lot that I bought on eBay, plus the yellow starter deck that I had. I got literally all the cards I needed. Um, I also went on TCG player and bought some singles that I, I needed. Um Looked up a deck list online, kind of put it together, kind of made my own twist on it. And I I already have like a full competitive ready and level deck built. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start. I know on Monday nights, the uh, the comic book shop near me, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of or been to uh, Galactic Quest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Monday nights are their uh, Digimon nights. So oh, okay. I'm I'm going to start going and start playing and start learning how to play. Like, I know how to play, but obviously against people who, you know, playing with people who are already playing in tournaments. Um, apparently, their Monday night is like their more casual nights. Like, that's for people to come in and, like, 
learn how to play. The store has decks made. They're not for sale, but they have decks made. So people can come in who don't have a deck can also play around and learn how to play. Um, and then every Saturday, the last Saturday of every month, they have like an official Bandai licensed tournament where the winner of the tournament actually gets uh, two booster boxes. So that's really cool. Um, but like I said, I, I, I don't recommend paying the money that I paid to get into the game. I paid the money because I could and I wanted to, but that really doesn't mean you fucking should. Um, however, Bandai has released a statement, uh, released a statement a couple weeks ago, saying that when the next starter, when the next booster set, which is set to come out June June tenth, when that booster set comes out, they are pushing so much product that they said it will quad, it will more than quadruple the amount of product that's already available on the market. Oh wow! So they're because they're trying they're trying to stop the scalpers. They're trying to stop all these secondhand sellers, and they're trying to because the game is in its infancy. Infancy. The first booster set came out in America uh, in February of this year, so the game literally just started. Um, but they, so they're trying to get people into the game, but they understand it's hard to get into a game when a game is so goddamn expensive. Uh, so they're trying to. They, they pretty much, they want to get it to the point where card shops are fully stocked and card shops can sell for MSRP and be okay and make profit, um, which is fucking awesome. So I've already taken a half day off of work so I could leave on June 10th at 12 o'clock so I can go to the Galactic Quest in Lawrenceville and hopefully buy two booster boxes of that set. That's what I'm trying to do because I think they said on launch day they sell them for MSRP, but it's after launch day that they start taking the prices up. So I'm I'm probably going to have to wait in a ridiculous fucking line, but I'm hoping I can at least get one booster box out of that set. But uh, this it, it's a really fun game. It, it literally feels like it, it's a it literally feels like a mixture between Pokemon and magic. That's exactly what it feels like. It has the kind of play style of magic where you have a cost for everything that you do. Um, cards are separated by six colors. Um, which all do their own, which all have their own like distinct, very distinctive play styles. And then um, but it has like the evolution mechanic of Pokemon and it has the it, it even has a, the same win condition that Pokemon has. So um, it's really cool. I, this is a really fun game and I'm really happy I got into it. And it's also kind of put me in a Digimon kick and listeners will notice that later in the episode. <laughs> but uh, it, it has put me in a full-on Digimon swing, and I'm super hyped about it. I think this game is so much fun, and I'm so excited to go to locals and fucking beat. Maybe. I'll probably get my ass kicked, but we'll see. We'll see. We will see for sure. All right. Well, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is In Search of Darkness Part 2. Okay. Uh, I cannot remember if I talked about this on the... Uh, any of the previous podcast, but um, In Search of Darkness is a documentary that was. <clears throat> God, man, I really, I really should not drink beer on the show. Uh, but it was a 2019 film that was fan funded on uh, Creator VC, and basically, okay. you had the opportunity to get uh, your name in the credits by if you donated a certain amount of money and stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Um, and so they also did a uh, Indiegogo and a Kickstarter for it, I think. Um, but uh, 
So yeah, this is the this is the sequel to that first movie. I actually put in some money for this. Uh, I didn't get the producer credit because it was like a fucking thousand dollars to do so. Oh and I shit! I just didn't have the yeah. I didn't have Fuck the money that. to do that. But uh, I mean that's but cool, I still but like a thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Holy shit. Um. But yeah, so I I still I put in money for it because I was like I really want to um I really want to get like the the DVD and stuff like that. Hell yeah. Anyway, so it's a sequel to that and again, I don't remember if I talked about the uh the first one on the show mm-hmm. or not, but it is four and a half hours long, the oh. first one. Uh, this one is a little over four and a half hours. Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> and basically, what it is is it's it, it's a a very long look at eighties horror flicks, and uh, it this one in particular covers a bunch of movies that weren't covered in the first one. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's like right up your alley. It's no wonder you want right to pay money to that alley. movie. That's like your yeah. whole personality in a nutshell. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. (laughs) Um, And so uh, here's the thing. I like the first one. Mm -hmm. I think that it is good. Uh, But I also kind of think that it was lacking in a lot of areas. Uh, Like, for instance, they this one kind of has a similar problem. Um, mm-hmm. where like it has a ton of movies to cover. And the thing about the first one that I really didn't like, and this one kind of fixes that, uh, at least in, in some movies that it talks about is that they don't really go as in depth on some of the movies as I would like. And I know that these aren't like, this isn't like a making of these movies or anything like that, but yeah. like, I would still like in that first one in particular, like I would like to know why people think that mm, what the, the sort of relevance is today for Friday the 13th from 1980. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know what people think about it as opposed to like, Oh, this was the first slasher movie and, and it kind of founded all the, the things or whatever. Like, I would like it to be a little bit more in depth than just a couple of talking heads being like, Oh yeah, this movie really scared me when I was a kid. Like, yeah. Okay. But, but like, okay, like, great. Why? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, it's, it's cool that you have these people talking about this stuff, but like, I kind of want a little bit more. And this one, like I said, it does kind of solve that problem a little bit because it does talk about a lot of movies. But in this one, it actually has people who had something to do with those movies talking about them. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Um, Shit, this is going to bug me. Ah, fuck. Uh... I don't fucking remember her name, but she's a, she's an Asian filmmaker and they talked about two of her movies in, in this, uh, sequel and in it, she kind of broke down like what was going on through her head during the making of these two movies. And there is like a scene or not a scene, but there's like a, um, uh, a whole section 
that like so basically how it's set up is like it goes through and it talks about like a it has a segment talking about something very specific and then it'll cut to a year and then it'll discuss movies that came out in that year and then it'll cut back to another segment talking about a very specific thing and and kind of goes back and forth until the movie ends Mm -hmm. and the the segments here in this one are better than they were in the first one because they they feel like they're more fleshed out and they have more like you they have more time to explore them and talk about them and i liked that a lot but i still i still kind of feel like it could have been i don't i don't want to say done better but like Mm -hmm. for a four and a half hour documentary it kind of feels like they didn't talk about all that much, if that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I like this one. Uh, I liked it better than the first one. Um, I felt like they did take a little bit more time and were a little bit more thought, thoughtful with what it was that they were trying to do this go around. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't think it's great. Like I, I, uh, I've read it on letterbox. I gave it three and a half stars. I, I think that it is Fine. very good. If you are a fan of horror mm-hmm. and, and like, just like this kind of stuff. Cause I do, I fucking love this kind of shit. Oh yeah. But I just wish that it did more because mm-hmm. I don't feel like it does enough. If that makes sense. I feel that that makes sense. But, uh, if, if you're ever just like interested, like if I think that this is actually a really cool place for people who like want to kind of like learn about horror, but are only like, like on the fringes, like they, yeah, they don't know enough to know that they're missing out on anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. That like that's some that's something that I would definitely check out. I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're the kind of person who I would recommend this to. (laughs) What are you saying? I'm an uh, idiot. Yes, uh, that's fair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've already said that this episode about myself. So that's fair. That's fair I mean, I, I call myself a moron every episode. So you're good. <laughs> um, speaking of moronic things, Digimon 2020 reboot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am. I'm just kidding about the moron thing. No, it is. Uh, but 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 do tell me about Digimon. Yeah. Um. Uh, also real quick, because I forgot to say it because like we both just talked about, I'm an idiot and I forgot to say it when I was talking about it. Um, backtrack a little bit. Uh, I forgot to mention that one of the biggest draws of the card game to me is, uh, there is a type of card called tamer cards that, uh, you play off to the side that have like effects on the game as a whole. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really fucking cool. Uh, so far, as far as tamer cards, we've only gotten, uh, the original kids, for some reason, the three main characters from a, a Digimon Data Squad, which I think was an odd choice considering it's literally the worst season. Um, but uh, and what the thing that I'm thrilled about the fucking most, uh, and we'll actually talk about this. I'll I'll talk about this game later. Uh, the booster set that comes out in October is actually going to have Tamer cards for the protagonist and uh, Nokia from uh, Digimon Cyber Sleuth, and I think that's really fucking awesome that they are doing uh, video game characters as, as well. They they also have uh, the male and female protagonist from Digimon World Redigitize, which was a Japanese PSP exclusive, I think. Okay. 
It was it was a Japanese PSP exclusive, and then it got a Japanese exclusive 3DS remake, which okay. is an odd console jump, but whatever. That's fine. Um, but anyway, yeah, Digimon 2020 reboot. Um, I think this series is fucking great. Uh, the animation is really fucking good. Uh, one of my biggest problems with Digimon Adventure, uh, with the original Digimon Adventure as a whole, is... It introduces you to all these kids and all these Digimon and all these characters, but it's like, hey, here's all these characters, but you're only going to think about Matt and Ty for 50 episodes. That's <sighs> all we're going to focus on for 50 straight fucking episodes. They are the only two characters that matter, um, which uh, Digimon Try has uh, – Digimon Try and uh, the six movies and um, uh, uh, Last Evolution uh, has the same fucking problem. It is only about Matt and Ty. Fuck everybody else. Uh, mm -hmm. But the reboot doesn't do that. And I really fucking like that. I like that all of these characters are getting screen time, um, uh, especially the girl characters. They're getting a lot more fucking screen time than they and, and getting fleshed out more than they ever did in the original. Mm. Um, I do think it was an odd choice to show Omnimon in episode two. I think that was really fucking odd with no explanation. They were just kind of like, hey... We're going to show you this, but we'll explain it in like 45 episodes. Um, it, the the series is still ongoing. You can watch it on Hulu. Uh, it's on Hulu and Crunchyroll. It is only subbed as far as I know. Uh, from what I've read, Digimon is kind of done localizing. Um, after, fuck, what was it? Uh, it was the sixth series. It was uh, Digimon Cross Wars, which when it got dubbed and localized was changed to Digimon Fusions, which went straight to Netflix, which is fucking weird. Um, but uh, after that series did so poorly in America, they've kind of decided like, hey, we're kind of done dubbing and localizing shit. So like this is just only going to be a Japanese thing now. Which kind of sucks. That it does kind of it is kind of sad. But you know, at least we got the TCG. We're still getting video games. It's fucking awesome. Um, but the the series as a whole is really good. Uh, I can't get over the animation. Honestly, the animation is fucking clean, and I it I didn't expect it to be. I did not expect it to be as good as it is. The music is real. The 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 music and the soundtrack are really fucking good. Um, I like that they're doing things very very differently. Um, like so far, uh, Agumon has been given a second final, a second final evolution aside from War Greymon. Um, and, uh, it, it's actually a, uh, it's actually a Digimon that came out in a video game like six years ago that was exclusive to that video game. Um, uh, Gabumon has his own counterpart, which I'm assuming will be making an appearance later in the show. And then those two new forms also have their own new form of Omnimon, which I really hope gets shown later in the fucking show, because that will be really fucking cool. Um, but even so far, it seems like they're kind of hinting. It seems like all of the kids are going to also get uh, final stage evolutions, which they didn't get in the original series. Only Matt and Ty got the final stages. Um, mm -hmm. I, they, they fixed that with Try uh, by giving all the kids final evolutions, which was dope. But it should have happened in the original series, and there's really no reason why it didn't other than, hey, we just only want to focus on Matt and Ty because they're the only ones that are important. Um, but it's really good. Check it out. It's still ongoing. Um, I'm not great. I'm not like done with it. I'm not fully, fully caught up. Uh, I think I'm like 30 episodes deep, roughly. Um, 
but it's good. I started watching it because Josie has shown an interest in Digimon, and uh, mm. we watched the original. We watched Adventure 1 and Adventure 2 together, and she really liked it. Um, so I started watching the reboot on my own while still watching. I think me and her are watching Tamers next is, the, is our next choice because we're just kind of going order. Probably going to skip Frontier, though, because that was also a bad season. That, that was weird. I mean, the whole kids turning into Digimon thing was strange. That was a strange yeah. design choice. But it's really cool, really good. I like it a lot. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is Castlevania. Ooh, I need to watch so, that. Uh, have you have you watched any of it yet? No, I haven't even started it yet. It's on my list. I I really fucking need to. Okay. I want to get to it eventually. So this is the Netflix original anime. It's based on Castlevania, obviously. Uh, it started in 2017, and it just wrapped up its final season. I think I'm going to do a video on this uh, based on my thoughts on it as a video game adaptation. Um, I think this show was fucking rad dude i really really fucking like this show um but i am very specifically going to talk about season four uh this episode because it's the one that just aired and it's the one that i finished and it's the one that's like freshest on my mind uh and so really the the way that this season is set up is really good in terms of getting everything together, like having everything kind of end and, and putting a bow on it. But the problem is that it, this is also a problem with season three. I feel like, and even kind of parts of season one, I actually think season two is perfect. I like I, season two of Castlevania is fucking perfect. Um, but they are very slow moving at, at the beginning. And then it's kind of like everything fucking happens at once. And this season is really no different, except they tried to do things that kind of broke up that monotony of, of having it move slow. But because they do that, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be vague here because I don't want to give anything away, but because they they thought that they could maybe break things up uh, and add more action in certain sequences, it leads to certain characters having stuff to do at the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. then nothing for like six episodes, and then finally their storyline comes back in like the last episode. And that's really frustrating for me because it... it it's one of the problems that I feel like weirdly Game of Thrones had, but also didn't have because there would be episodes of Game of Thrones that where like you would not see anything from a certain storyline happening for an entire episode. And then you would go back to it the next episode. And somehow that was completely fine in Game of Thrones, but here it's not. Yeah. And and it really 
uh, I don't want to say annoyed me, but like it really, I was like, why is this written this way? Like, why is it set up this way? Because you could do so much more with what you're doing. And it it would just take a little bit of like, like remixing your scripts ever so slightly. But I think that's in, in service to the, to the overall plot of season four, because each individual episode I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just like, as a whole, the season, it kind of, it, it's just weirdly paced. And some of the, the conclusions to the character arcs, like, like I said, just they, because of how it's paced, feel like they come out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and that's a little annoying. Um, mm. But like, overall, I think it's really, really good in terms of like the writing and stuff. Another part that I have a little bit of a problem with is the same. (laughs) It's kind of the same issue I've had throughout the entire series. I feel like Netflix gave them a budget and said, this is your budget. You have to stick with it sort of thing. And because of that, some of the animation in the less intensive scenes just doesn't quite work as well. I'm not, I'm not saying it's as I'm not saying it's bad, but yeah. like you can you can totally see that they're animating, and this is a term that I have only recently learned. So if there are people who know animation better than me, please don't fucking eat me alive online. Yeah, uh, but it looks like they're animating on twos a lot, which basically means that. Basically what that means is that when you're animating a scene, it's usually like film is like 24 frames a second. And basically what that means is when you're animating on twos, you have a drawing that will last for two frames as opposed to when you're drawing on one or like when you're animating on ones, there is a new drawing for every single frame. And basically it leads to, in some of the more like, and, and this, uh, okay. So real quick as an aside, so what you, you can use ones and twos for stylistic, uh, choices. Like if you want something to have more of a dramatic punch or whatever, you can animate on two so that then things look like more, more crunchy and more stiff. Uh, and, th- and then when you're animating on ones, everything kind of flows together and stuff like that. <clears throat> but what, what I'm seeing is uh, when there isn't a whole lot of action going on in the first, like, say, six or seven episodes, a lot of the animation not in action sequences feels like it's drawn on twos and the animation suffers for it. But then when you get to the the big finale or any of the fights in any of the episodes, it feels like everything was animated on ones or even if it's not, it feels like the artwork in those, in those frames is more crisp and it makes it feel like they blew their load on the budget for these fights, as opposed to having the animation kind of pop for the entire series. And like like I said, that's that's a problem that came about even in even in like the the first two seasons, which 
I think dealt with it a little bit less because they were smaller episode sizes. So they didn't have as much work to be put into them. But I, I, overall, I think the animation is really strong in the show. It's animated by, uh, let me look this up. I think it's studio powerhouse. Um, Castlevania, Castlevania. That just brings me to the fucking game series. All right. Castlevania, Netflix, Wikipedia. Here we go. It is animated by, it says Frederator Studios, but I don't think that's right. No, there it is. Powerhouse Animation Studios. All right. And Powerhouse, what have they done? They have done a lot of stuff that I have never seen before. Um, yeah, I, uh, Blood of Zeus. I actually think this is on Netflix, um, formerly known as Gods and Heroes. So this is the only other thing of theirs that I've even seen in passing, um, which is really kind of funny. That's strange. Uh, they also did a, oh, they did work on the Penny Arcade games. Okay. That's interesting. That's so interesting. Um, okay. Well, with that said, um, yeah, so the animation is, is pretty good. I feel like it could be better. Um, like if it were just more like if they had had more budget and, and things had been stretched out or whatever, but the writing is solid. The animation is solid. Really where it shines, I think is the acting from everybody. Like, fucking James Callis kills it as Alucard. Like, I think he is just fucking awesome. And I really like Richard Armitage as Trevor also. Like I, it's really good, man. I, I, the whole show is great. I really like it from kind of beginning to end. Yeah. It it just works for me on a, like a, a ton of different levels. Uh, so the last thing for you is you finished up Invincible. Uh, go ahead and tell me about that. It was a really good fucking show. I, oh, yeah. I, uh, the animation is fantastic. The, the voice, the, vo- uh, the, the voice cast behind that show. Phenomenal. Uh, Ooh. uh, oh, fuck who plays Omni man. God damn it. What's his name? He's a very prominent actor. Everybody knows him. Uh, fuck, 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 fuck. Invincible. I'm looking it up right now. Invincible. Uh, J.K. Simmons? Yep. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. That's who it is. Fucking incredible. He really fucking brings that character to fucking life. And, um, the... I don't want to talk about spoilers, but I also can't not spoil it. I Like, if I want to talk about what I really liked about it, I can't really not spoil it. Um, so I, I'm going to spoil it for a little bit. If you don't want to hear it, skip ahead until you hear my dumb voice, not talking anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll put a time code. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Josh will do that because he's smarter than me and thinks of things like that. Um, but so the whole premise of the show is, um, the main character, Mark, uh, his dad is like the most powerful superhero, like, uh, on earth. 
and he finally starts to get his powers at the age of about 17. Uh, he's, you know, working at a fast food place, goes to throw the trash out, and accidentally throws it into space and realizes he got his fucking superpowers. Uh, so his dad starts training him. Uh, remember the word training, because we're going to come back to that in a little bit. Uh <laughs> His dad starts training him on how to be a hero. He comes up with the name Invincible, gets a suit, meets, meets you know other teenage heroes and other adult heroes. Um, but all in the background, something more sinister is happening. Uh, at the end of episode one, you see this universe's version of literally the Justice League uh, come together in like their little watchtower, and Omni-Man shows up and brutally slaughters every fucking one of them. Um, it's disgusting, actually. Uh, he takes the guy who is pretty much this universe's version of the Flash. I think his name is like Red Rush or something dumb like that. Um, grabs him by the head, starts squeezing his head together. His eyes get bloodshot. Next thing you know, one eye pops out and the entire skull caves in on itself. And he just throws the limp body to the ground. Um, uh, he takes the knockoff Wonder Woman. I don't remember any of their fucking names takes the knockoff Wonder Woman, starts beating the shit out of her, pounding her head into the ground, and then snaps her neck so hard that her whole head does a fucking 180, and she throws up blood and dies. Um, so that happened. And then the entire rest of the series in the background, um, the, they have an agency that's pretty much S.H.I.E.L.D., like in the, uh, in the Marvel comics, uh, who deals with all the heroes and hero shit. And um, they're trying to figure out who who killed the Guardians of the Globe? They're like, who did it? We don't know. Um, they eventually figure out that it was indeed Omni-Man who killed them. Um, Mark's mother uh, finds out her husband is a rampant murderer and confronts him about it. Uh, eventually, Mark, uh, he confronts Mark and explains that uh, he is a Viltrumite which is an alien race whose sole purpose is to conquer other planets and bring them into an empire. Um, he is there to kill anyone who opposes him or kill anyone that he doesn't think is strong enough to belong in that empire. Um, so they, they have this big fight scene. They're throwing each other through cities. Um, Omni-Man picks up Mark by the back of the head, holds him, hold, like kind of holds him up from the back of the head while a train is coming his way. I said, remember the word train. Episode one, he trained Mark. Episode eight, he literally trained Mark. He held him there while the train came at full force, and it was going so fast that their bodies colliding with the civilians in that train, like like the civilians were literally just like exploding on impact. Like their blood and guts and brains were just being fucking spewed everywhere. Um, this show is kind of hard for me to watch because of the sounds the sounds of like the bones breaking and the and the running blood every 15 minutes in a goddamn episode um, really starts to get to me. So it kind of took me a minute to finish, but I'm really glad I did. I'm fucking stoked for season two. I'm so excited for season two that I'm probably not going to wait. And I'm probably just going to read the comic so I know what happens. Um, mm -hmm. But this is this is genuinely a phenomenal show. And in my opinion, if you don't have a, a prime video membership, this is a hundred percent a good reason to fucking get one. Even if you just watch this show alone, um, I'm probably going to watch the boys next. I keep hearing a lot of people talk about it and saying that they really like it. Yeah. So I'm probably going to watch that next because it sounds interesting. But yeah, Invincible was super fucking cool. It was way cooler than I thought it would be. 
And of course, nobody in the Discord fucking ever shuts up about it. So it had to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, I'm. Uh, I might give that a shot for sure. You should. I think you would really like it. You're probably right. Um. All right, let's uh, let's talk about what we've been playing then, since there Ooh. is no main topic. Yeah. Uh, I will start with this first. I've been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales on my PS5. Um, so I am only going to talk about this fairly briefly because I feel like we already talked about it on our Game of the Year episode for sure, and I've definitely talked about it like my own feelings on it. Um, it plays so incredibly smoothly on the PS five. It's kind of unbelievable to even think about. Like it, it, it's really a night and day difference from the PS four. Yeah. Like, and, and like, I, I don't want to get it twisted. Like it plays great on the PS four. It does. But like, I don't know, man, like there's, I feel like this game was optimized for the PS five in a way that like, I I don't feel like the other games that have been next gen quote unquote that I've played or like the cross gen titles have really felt as optimized. If like this, what I'm saying makes sense. Oh yeah. I understand completely. Oh. I, I, I get it. And it it just does such a fucking cool amount of like stuff with the haptic feedback in the controller, like the electricity that like you discharge with miles power. I can feel that in the controller and that's super fucking cool. Yeah, for sure. And you can kind of still feel the same thing when you, when you're like swinging through the thing, like if you let go of it, or, or not let go of it, but like if you shoot your web, you can feel it like kind of like force out through the triggers. And I, I just feel like that's such a cool little touch. Uh, I don't really, th- I, I'm still kind of not of the mindset that everyone else is that like these features will be like, utilized in the future on everything. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they're going to be thrown to the wayside, but it is cool here. Like I, I, I really feel like it's really cool. And the 60 frames per second is really fucking noticeable upgrade over the 30. Like everything just runs so much more smoothly. And like you, you can tell the differences in like the way that things are lit and like, just, like there's so much more information coming at you with the 60 frames a second that like I can tell my playing is different and that's fucking awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the only thing that I, I haven't tested out is yeah, is, um, apparently it also uses 3d audio, uh, and I don't have the pulse headset and, uh, it's I just have awesome. Is it? Mm hmm. It's okay. dude, uh, side note, the 3d pulse headset is straight the fuck up. One of the best headsets I've ever, I've bought in a really long fucking time. Very cool. I really like if you, if you have the hundred dollars to spend it's fucking worth it. It's absolutely, I, I, I would, I would be willing to pay more than a hundred dollars for that. headset. 
Oh, okay. So fair enough. Um, yeah, it, Miles Morales is awesome. It, it, it's a really good mm-hmm. game. There are, there are parts of it that I still like, I, I, the story for me still doesn't connect the same way that, uh, 2018 Spider-Man did. Uh, yeah. and I, th- I think it has to do more with the fact that I feel like the, the villains here are a little bit underdeveloped and mm-hmm. like, like, I don't feel like that that's an accurate way to phrase it because they're not underdeveloped. They have their own stories and stuff, but it's like, I don't, maybe this is going to sound bad. I don't care about their stories the same way that I cared about like yeah. Doc Ock's story in, in 2018. Like the, mm. and I, th- I think it's because like I, you don't spend almost any time with Finn. No, not at all. Until uh, like, you get one scene with her and then you realize that she's the bad guy and it's yeah. like, okay. But like in 2018 Spider-Man, like you have the entire game, the entire fucking game up until that big breakout on, uh, is it, is it on Rikers Island or is it, I, I don't even remember, but the, the, the big the, pr- prison the, breakout, the, the raft. It's the raft. Oh, right? I, I think yeah. it's the raft, but also like, isn't it like Rikers Island breaks out at the same exact time? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you have to go to the raft. Yeah. And so, that, so that's like, when the Sinister Six starts showing up. Exactly, and that's when it's revealed that Doc Ock is the bad guy. And like up until like it's a probably twenty hour story, and up until probably about hour. 12 or 14 or so yeah doc ock has been on your side the entire time mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those things that like when it gets there and then you get to that final boss fight like for me that final boss fight is emotional as fuck mm-hmm. and this one i like i i, I care that finn dies because she's like important to miles but like i don't care does yeah. that make sense yeah I don't know. Like this game has some problems. Uh, it, most specifically, I think in story, because I think in almost every other aspect, it's, it's better than 2018 Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Except the story. It, it, yeah. Except for the, the one, <laughs> like I, I, even, I could probably even boil it down to just the villains in this mm-hmm. game, but I, yeah, it's still a great game. I still real highly recommend it. I'm going to be honest. I cared more about the plot line involving like Roxxon and Kingpin wanting to get rid of Harlem and like, mm, just, yeah. or like not give a shit about Harlem. I cared more about that plot line than I did anything involving the Tinkerer. Oh uh, yeah. I, I agree with you. Oh, well, dude, I think this stuff with, with miles and, um, his uncle, fuck. What's his name? Uh, Aaron, the prowler Uncle Aaron, uh, the prowler. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like that stuff works better than anything else in the game. I mean, that was more, that was more of an emotional moment to me than, than anything involving Finn. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly think that I, I honestly, I wish because the game was so short, you know, I think the game is only like what, 10 to 12 hours, like tops. Um, uh, yeah, it's something I think like it that. took me, it took me 20, it took me 20 hours to hundred percent it on PS4. Yeah. Um, but the, I think it would have been better and it would have been more of an emotional moment 
to have had uh, the Tinkerer reveal herself as Finn at, at at the end of the story, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, the entire rest of the story would not have worked because of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I get it, but, like, I, I feel like I just... Revealing her within, like, the first two to three hours of the story just felt very, like, bleh. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, I was hoping for more of, like, a more of a dramatic and emotional reveal as opposed to, oh, shit, I knocked your mask off. Fuck. And then, like, that's it. You know? And then he knows that uh, she's the tinkerer the entire rest of the game. Um, I feel like it takes a lot of emotion away. So... But yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying though. The game is great on PS5. It's so good. Yep, so good. Uh, you're playing Spider-Man Remastered on yeah. your PS5? Yeah, I, I did because uh, uh, I, if, I guess if anyone doesn't know, um, the first uh, whenever you boot up Miles Morales on a PS5, um, like say if you bought it digitally on PS4, like I did, uh, when you get a PS5 and you go to download Miles Morales, you actually get the option to download the PS5 version of Miles Morales. Um, and I mean, at least I did. And then when you boot the game up, there is an option to, I think, press triangle on the on the menu screen, and it will give you the option to pay $20 to upgrade to the Deluxe Edition, and that gives you a Spider-Man Remastered. So I did... That was literally the first thing I did when I got my PS5. Um... Uh, I've been playing through it. I, I fucking I, I love 2018 Spider Man. Um, I genuinely think it's in uh, at the at this point it it is absolutely in my top five video games of all time. I absolutely fucking love that game. I've played that game all the way through four times in the last year, um, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I have so little free time and I choose it to play <laughs> the same game over and over. Um, but I, I just I think the game is fucking fantastic. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be a hundred percent fucking honest. I was one of those people that was mad uh when they did the 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 model change. I thought that he looked like a like almost like a robot chicken interpretation of Tom Holland. Um like I just really didn't fucking like it. But as I'm playing the remaster more and I'm seeing Peter outside of the mask, it does genuinely grow on you. At least it grew on me. Like I can barely even remember what the last dude's face actually fucking looked like. Um, mm-hmm. And to me personally, the the new face to me suits his voice a lot better, even though he does look significantly younger. But to me, it suits, it suits the voice actor a lot better. Um, but it, it, it just like Miles Morales, it's a night and day fucking difference. You have all the same features as Miles Morales with the haptic feedback, with the web swinging, um, which is just fucking great. I mean, it literally feels like you have you have a web spewing out of your right hand. Um, my biggest complaint about that game, which is the same thing with 2018, it to this day bothers me so hard that you can't use both triggers to web swing. It bothers me so fucking bad. And mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know why. I don't know if that's like an OCD thing or what, but it, it drives me up a fucking wall that both that you swing from both hands using the right trigger. And I don't know why. But that's just a little nitpick. Nobody actually fucking cares about that. Yeah. Um, but it's great. It's a great game. I mean, I've played through that game like five fucking times now, and I've talked about it so much on this podcast, I literally don't know what else I can say. Um, 
I don't really think a remaster. I'm hesitant to call it a full on remaster. I mean, it it does look significantly better. Um, the lighting is much, fu- much fucking better than 2018. Um, some of the character models do look significantly better. Um, but I, I really wouldn't call it a full on remaster because like that's kind of the only thing that they changed is is mm. the lighting and the haptic feedback at the 60 frames per second. Um, I'm pretty sure remaster also has the 3D audio. I could be wrong, but I'm like 95 percent sure it also has that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's great. And I mean, 20 fucking dollars to upgrade for Miles Morales. I do think it's strange that you can't purchase the bundle on the PlayStation store. I think that's odd. You now you can only purchase miles Morales and then upgrade it from the menu screen, but you can't purchase the actual bundle, which I think is so fucking weird. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's fucking weird that uh, PlayStation took away the ability to rent and purchase movies and TV shows on their fucking on the PSN store. I also think that's fucking dumb, but here we are. So, Well, very nice, very nice. I was so mad right. about that, dude. I went to go rent a movie the other night. And I was like, did they really remove this shit? And then I looked it up. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Like, I don't get it. Why? Like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you Why would you make a, a, a digital-only console and then remove the ability to purchase movies and TV shows on that digital-only console? Why would you do that? You got me, man. Fucking dumb. Sony, make it. You get your shit together, man. <laughs> Figure your shit out. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll move on to my next one. Uh, I'm going to talk about Dead by Daylight very briefly again. Ooh. Um. So they. Yeah, it's it's been a hot minute. Uh, they finally released their new chapter. It's called All Kill. Mm. Uh, and we had talked about this. Uh, mm, Maybe like four or five episodes ago. ago. Yeah. Uh, And the the new killer was revealed as like a K-pop star and all that stuff. And Fucking stupid. Yeah. uh, It's not the greatest, right? Like it's... Yeah. It it kind of... Does it grow on you though? Well, so the thing when when it starts up now, uh, there's this really cool kind of like anime intro. Oh. Like I was like, oh, this is... This is cool. Like I I kind of like this. Yeah. Um, and then it just, you just kind of get thrown into the game and it's kind of the, the same game that it's always been. But yeah, uh, I was down because I was like, I don't understand how you're going to make like, like a K-pop star, uh, like a, 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 a killer or, or like make him scary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they have made a scary killer per se, but they have made a character that is at the very least interesting. Yeah. Uh, sure. And so basically what he does is he, he kind of acts like the huntress where he has like this sort of like ax sort of, uh, thing that's actually like a baseball bat with like this sort of like blade attached to it. So he can hit you with melee or whatever, but he also throws these knives and you can throw them kind of like, uh, at a, at a, like a, a sort of like rapid speed. And once you have, 
the laceration like basically if you throw enough at them like you have a laceration meter that goes around the survivor and when that is filled they lose a health state and become injured or they get down depending on what their health state was when you started throwing it at them uh and it, it it kind of works in a similar manner to uh i i would say uh kind of a similar manner to Freddy's ability, but the special ability that he has, when you activate it, he automatically throws an unlimited amount of blades. So like you have 60, uh, just regularly, but when you trigger the, the special, uh, ability, he throws them uh, like it's an unlimited amount and the rate that he throws them at increases like by a lot. And it basically says, yeah, I, I think that that's a really cool, um, idea. I'm not, I haven't played all that much with him, so I'm not, I'm not used to it yet, but I feel like that's a really fucking cool, uh, like power. Um, and his perks are kind of cool. Uh, the one that I think is probably the, the coolest, uh, and it's, it's called no way out. And whenever you hook a new survivor, you gain like a, a token. And once the final generator has been repaired, the entity will block both exit switches, for an amount of time based on the number of tokens you have in your possession. Mm-hmm. So if you have all four, I'm not sure what the exact amount of time it is, but like it'll block it for the maximum amount of time. And I think that's fucking cool. Um, the new survivor is, I was actually talking with my buddy Sean about this earlier. The new survivor is actually, to my knowledge, the only survivor outside of like the, um, uh, what the, what the hell is the name? Um, I'm trying to think of like the licensed killers, uh, like, like Freddie and yeah. Michael and, and whatever. She's actually the first survivor in a pack that is themed with the killer, which is cool. Mm. And she, her, her, um, story is basically that she was the producer for, for, the trickster, which I think is fucking awesome. Um, but, uh, her, her, uh, perks are kind of cool. Uh, I don't think that there's anything that's especially like amazing about them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm getting back into it and the game is as fun as it's ever been. Uh, and I feel like, this this new chapter actually added a lot when I thought that it would maybe take some stuff away. And I think that that's really fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. So. I'll have to get back into it. It's been a hot minute since I've played fucking Dead by Daylight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I let my... Uh, I let my Game Pass Ultimate run out just because I literally just don't fucking ever play anything from it at all. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm literally paying $15 a month for something that I just straight up don't fucking use. Um, <clears throat> I'm probably going to pick it back up once uh, uh, once Halo Infinite launches, because um, I know it's coming <clears throat> straight to Game Pass on PC. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably pick it back up then. But as of right now, I have no fucking care for it. 
But yeah, it's been a minute. I would like to get back into it. I might. I don't know. I might buy it on fucking PS Five or something. We'll see. Cool, cool. Um, why don't you tell me? Uh, let's go ahead and we'll both talk about Demon Souls because you've been playing it, and I have as well. Yeah, let's talk about Demon Souls. <laughs> That doesn't sound too promising. <laughs> so I have about four or five hours of playtime in Demon Souls. Okay. Right, now, right. I'm at the very beginning of the game. Uh-huh. I'm right where you come out of the Nexus for the first time. I'm still <laughs> there. I have died a ridiculous and unreasonable amount of fucking times. Uh-huh. And it's always in the same goddamn fucking spot. And it pisses <laughs> me off. I want yeah. to get better at that game. I want to play it because, first of all, the game is fucking beautiful. That game looks yeah. unreasonably mm-hmm. fucking good. Um, I mean, it had no business being that good. I, I really like the combat. I really like the gameplay. I think everything is fluid. Everything is great. But God fucking damn it. Let me live longer than 10 minutes. Fuck. Um, I think I read somewhere that the remake of Demon Souls actually gets harder the more that you die. And uh, I, I see that. I get it. Yeah. And I fucking hate that. I hate it. <laughs> it's driving me insane. Um, I am trying to force myself to at least every day. Uh, play for like 30 minutes. Just just attempt it. Just give it like five or six more attempts. Because I really do. I keep catching myself dying and I'm like, man, fuck this game. I'm going to call Sony and fucking return it. I want my money back. Fuck this stupid game. And then I'm like, okay, let me respawn real quick. Um, But yeah, it, it, it's, it's a... It, God damn it. It's a difficult fucking game. But I do like it. I like it a lot. If I could just survive long enough to get somewhere important. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that. I guess you're supposed to lose against that very first boss. You're supposed to die. Uh, I don't think so. I think you can beat the first boss. OK, well, he killed me with one hit. So there's that. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know if like the class you choose or anything matters on that, but I, I did assassin and I'm starting to feel like maybe I shouldn't have. Um, I, I, then again, I don't really know that that's the issue, but, but, uh, I think I just suck at the fucking game. Are you talking, um, hang on. I'm trying to think, are are you talking about the Vanguard demon? Uh, the thing that kills you right b- and sends you into the Nexus. If that's what it's called. I don't remember if that's what it's called or not, but it should be. Um, I'm trying to think. It's like literally the very first big thing that you encounter in that game. Uh, Hang on. Let me... I haven't played it in a couple of... Probably almost a week at this point. I was going to say a couple days, but... That's yeah. Not right. Um, <laughs> he said that's not right at all. Yeah, it's been almost a week. Let me just see. The gets into the nexus. It's it's the big fat thing with like the horns, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, you can you can fight that thing and beat it. Oh, okay, well it killed me in one hit, so. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a uh, it's something, man. Um it's, it, some, yeah, it's, it, fucking it's something, all right. It's got the 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 kind of almost like tiny little wings on the back of it, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that's the big the ass like a uh, like big ass like cleaver thing whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's the Vanguard demon. Yeah, you can beat that. You yeah. can totally beat that. Well, I didn't. So <laughs> I don't know who all has, but I sure as fuck didn't. That shit killed me in one goddamn hit. Uh, the trick, the trick for that one is to basically just get up behind it, like where its ass mm. is, and just fucking wail away and on just it. Just go to town on it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you just manage to like kind of like stay behind it, uh, without getting hit, you're you're solid. I've also heard that there's a thing for people who stream Demon Souls where you get roasted for uh, uh, barrel rolling too much. Really? You get, That's yeah, you get weird. You get fucking blasted for it. Uh, I say fuck that. That's that's how I play Souls games. I don't fuck around with the parrying. Yeah, dude, I, I attempted it, but then when I died like nine times in a row trying to parry on time, I was like, yeah, we just go barrel roll. Fuck yeah. that. Fuck yeah. every bit of that. That's kind of where I like I when I picked up Dark Souls three again recently, I kind of did the same thing because I started over. I I said, I don't remember where I'm at. I don't remember, you know, like what's going on. I kind of yeah. don't remember how to play this game. Let me just start from the very beginning. And there's that there's a very uh, particular spot at the at the very beginning of Dark Souls three where it's like hit this button to parry. And I sat there for a solid 30 to 45 minutes just trying to learn what the timing was for the, for the parry and I couldn't get it and I said fuck this I'm just going to fucking dodge and barrel roll that's like he said I am going to give up right here yeah it, cuz it's like uh, I don't have the patience to sit there and learn the specific timing for each individual for sure cuz it's 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 not even a matter of like it's just the same timing for everything. It's a different timing for every type of shield against every different type of enemy against yeah. every different type of enemy weapon. And I'm like, I'm not fucking with that dude. I, yeah. I don't have the time. I'm sorry. Like I just that. don't. Um, everything that you said, I think is true. Uh, I think the game is fucking gorgeous. Like this, mm -hmm. the fidelity of this thing is fucking beautiful dude it oh, is for sure. stunning to look at um i think that this is the most obtuse of all the souls games i think that this like game doesn't make almost any sense whatsoever <laughs> like none of the none of the souls games really make sense but like mm -hmm. this one really doesn't fucking make sense <laughs> and I, yeah i don't know i, I am enjoying the time that I have, I have spent with it, but at the same time, these other games that I'm going to talk about here in a second have come out and I am, well, one specifically I'm enjoying my time with a lot more than I am with this. Oh, okay. So cool. I, I'm probably not going to go back to demon souls in the foreseeable future, yeah. uh, but I will get back around to it because I, I one day, I've gotten the bug for the souls. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like I used to be like, no, nah, I'm not fucking with this. I hate this, you know, whatever. But like, I've Same. kind of come around on it and I'm like, I like this. I can, yeah, I can do this. I'm starting to get there. 
Oh, excuse me. But, um, but yeah, for sure. Cool. That's demon souls. All right. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about, um, is the medium. Mm. I I guess I've been in like a a full on horror mode since everyone decided that it was, (laughs) I guess so. Everybody's like, well, let's just not record or whatever. Uh, that's not what actually happened anyway. All right. So I went back to the medium. Um, I'm so disappointed in this game. Uh, I really. Oh, no. So, okay. I remember you being really hyped for it. I was really fucking excited for this game. And I like Bloober Team a lot. Like, I think that that they're one of the few teams working right now that really understands psychological horror and really knows how to tell really kind of gripping stories it w- w- with the artifice of horror, right? Like I think layers of fear is great. I think that observer, which is more, more like uh cyberpunk ish, mm-hmm. but still, still kind of deals with like horror aspects. I think it's really good. Uh, Blair, Witch, I think is excellent. Like I really fucking like Blair, Witch. Oh, yeah. um, but I don't know if they got so uh, involved in the story that they're trying to tell that they kind of forgot to make a game, but like, I feel like they kind of forgot to make a game. Like, and I know that that sounds weird because especially if you've played the other games, because they're kind of walking simulators, like, yeah. Uh, they're, they're more based around like puzzles and stuff like that. And like, that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that, but like this one, the puzzles are so obvious and don't take almost any time whatsoever that like, I, I never felt challenged if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that I need, like, I, I am notorious. I don't really like puzzle games. Like I, I, kind of I don't feel like I'm smart enough to get puzzle games, right? Same. But but like I would at the okay. very least I would like for something to engage me and nothing about this game is fucking engaging, man. Like I'm Damn. It's it's boring. It's fucking boring. Like even the horror stuff that's in here, like I feel like is almost like tacked on. Like they want mm-hmm. to tell stories about about death and like 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 a whole bunch of other stuff. Like there's there's so much stuff that they they try to tackle in here, mm-hmm. and I feel like the storytelling is there, and I feel like they're telling an engaging story. But they're wrapping it in in horror, which is what really got me excited. And the story that they're telling isn't necessarily all that good. And it just... it When you get to the ending of this game, I was so upset. Like I was, I I was like, this ending is fucking bad. The story that they've been telling this entire time is bad and i just for everything that it does get right like i think it's very 
very visually stunning. Like it, it has a really great sense of atmosphere that is really aided by like really strong art design and the like it's got some compelling music and it knows when to use silence really well. Mm-hmm. But the atmosphere doesn't make up for the bad game design. <laughs> like I just Lord. I, I really want to like this game more than I actually do. Like, I think it has some really good ideas and has had a ton of potential that it just ultimately didn't live up to. And that to me is more like m- me knowing what this studio is capable, capable of really hurt my feelings on it more than if it had just been a bad game. Does yeah, that make sense? I understand that. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. So I don't know. It's, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I wish it were better. But <laughs> it isn't. That sucks. It always sucks uh, when you get really hyped for a game and then you play it and you're like, wow, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's never any fun. Um, well, with that said, you've been playing the Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I'm going to tiptoe over my words here a little bit because I know a lot of people are really hyped for this game. I was also really hyped for this game. I mean, I still am. It's still great. Um, I'm going to, I don't know what they remastered. I don't know what they fixed. Because Shepard looks really good. Mm-hmm. Everything else does not. Everything else does not. Not at all. Um, the very first conversation you have on the on the Normandy with uh, uh, Commander, I don't remember his name, but he's voiced by Keith David. Um, the He literally... And I, I apologize for making this comparison twice in one episode. He literally looks like a figure straight out of Robot Chicken. Like dead fucking ass. If Robot <laughs> Chicken ever did a Mass Effect skit, that's exactly what he would look like. And mm. I, I just, and it's the same way with every other NPC in the game. They all look fucking terrible. They all look just straight fucking awful. Um, the, uh, I will give that the environments look really great. Um, like the world, like the worlds and the inside of the ship, all of that is genuinely stunning. All of that looks really, to me, looks really fucking good. Um, but just dude, the, the NPCs as a whole, uh, I, I kind of think that the AI is really bad. Um, like in the very first mission, uh, when you stumble upon the outpost, uh, you're, you, you rescue, uh, fucking what's her name? I don't remember. Nobody cares. Um, the, all of the like NPCs that are, are supposed to be shooting at you. I can get like right next to, and they're firing on my teammates. They're not even remotely paying attention to me at all. So I'm able to just kill them like super quickly with no fucking problem. And like, I'm, I'm not playing on any easier than normal difficulty. Like that shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know what the fuck happened, but 
I, I don't remember Mass Effect being like that. Um, I, I, I do want to preface that by saying I have never played Mass Effect 1. I've only played Mass Effect 2. I've, I've completed, Ma I finished Mass Effect 2 back in the day, and I got like very close to the end game of Mass Effect 3. Um, but I never played the first one, so maybe that's just a problem with the first one that they didn't fix. That could um, be it. But fuck, dude, the AI is terrible in that game. Um, I am going to keep playing it because I do genuinely love the lore behind Mass Effect. Uh, I think its story is extremely fucking interesting, and I genuinely love it. Um, if I, I don't know. To me, it gives me like a like almost like a Halo mixed with Star Wars kind of vibe, but like without the lightsabers and weird force abilities. Um, but it, it's I, I like it. I I'm I'm not. They could have just ported the three games to current generation consoles, and it, I feel like I would have had the same experience replaying it, honestly. I mean, like I said, I'm still going to finish it because I, I still think that aside from all of its problems, that all three of them are genuinely great fucking games. Um, and, and maybe the AI is just a me thing. Maybe maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just fucking dumb. I'm thinking too much about it. Maybe nobody else is having that problem. Um, but I... Aside from that, I I, I I don't know. I I just it didn't live up to what I wanted it to. I still think it's great, but it definitely does not live up to the expectations that I had for it. Okay, well, I mean that is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the same issue with fucking <laughs> the medium. So <laughs> honestly, um. All right, well, let's talk about... I'm going to talk about Resident Evil 8. Cool. Cool, cool. cool. Um, I cannot uh, say I have definitive thoughts on this, but I wanted to at least talk about it because uh, I have only played about two-ish hours of it, right? Um, I really like this game. Oh, yeah. I'm on uh, the fence. I'm on the fence of buying it. Okay, so I love, like, I absolutely adore Resident Evil 7. I think that Resident Evil 7 was a really fucking great return to what made Resident Evil Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, and this one is kind of not that... Uh, and so I, I was listening to a podcast, uh, the other day and they were talking about how everyone is saying that this is like inspired by Resident Evil four, which I think it clearly is from its setting at the very beginning. And I can't help but feel like they're really fucking wrong because Resident Evil four really is like the part where or like the clear, clear demarcation or maybe that's not the, the right phrase that I'm trying to say. Like it, it is the branching point for the series and where you had like one, two and three that were very clearly horror games Four kind of was like, yep, yeah, well here's, here's action. And this game from the, very fucking beginning 
just kind of throws you in as like action, like, like just go, go. Yeah. And I don't like that as much as I like the more deliberate and, uh, for lack of a better term, scary takes that like Resident Evil seven or RE two remake mm-hmm. went uh, like I really fucking dig those and I really like uh, Resident Evil 3 remake from last year but I think that's just because I have a real sweet spot in my heart for uh, Resident Evil 3 as a game yeah and anyway so so this game uh, from the beginning I think it's very clear that this is more of an actual action horror game than like a survival horror game. Like you get a gun and a pretty significant amount of bullets almost immediately. Um, which isn't, isn't a bad thing. I don't want to make it out like it's a bad thing, but like it's very different. And, uh, I have only died maybe two or three times. And it was because of my own not understanding what I was supposed to do. Uh, it's during a scripted sequence that, um, I thought I was supposed to do something different than what I was actually doing. And, um, or uh, that's the, uh, a bad way to phrase phrase that I, I was supposed to be doing something and I thought I was supposed to be doing something else. If that makes sense. Um, but, so far I love the setting. Like I think that the setting is gorgeous and it is just fucking dripping with production value. Like, Mm. like this game is like we were talking about the demon souls remake. And I think in terms of like visual fidelity, I think demon souls remake is better than this. But in terms of like, overall production value and everything. I can't think of a game that I've played other than maybe say maybe a naughty dog game like uncharted or, or the last of us that has as much production value in it as this game does. Like it is just fucking oozing art design and fucking like, like creativity dude. Like this game is fucking a treasure to look at. Hell yeah. And I am, (sighs) there are a couple things that I don't like that I have been told by people who have beaten it that gets resolved. So I don't want to harp on what I think may be bad as of right now. Um, but my overall feelings on it so far from what I have played, I love this game and I think it is a very strong contender for game of the year for me. Um, all like already. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how I feel about it because if, if some of the stuff that I, that I don't like isn't really addressed and it's, it's mostly story stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, then then I I might have some uh, more conflicted opinions on it. Yeah. Um, come like, you know, 
the next week or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really think this game is excellent so far, and I am very excited to continue playing. Hell yeah. Word. I I feel like I'm probably going to pick it up. I'm probably going to end up picking it up because I do think that game looks really great. I've heard a lot of high praise on it, and I kind of want to try it. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, we're down to the last one. Uh, Hacker's Memory, that's the Digimon game, right? Yeah, I uh, I picked it back up uh, because of this Digimon bug that I've become infested with over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I, I've actually never finished Hacker's Memory. I've gotten really close, and then I stopped playing it for a couple months, and I came back, and I was like, I don't remember what the fuck happened, so I'm just going to. Um, so I started it over, never picked it back. I literally played like an hour of it and got distracted playing something else and then just never came back to it. Uh, well, I finally come back to it. I'm pretty sure I'm either in the last chapter or second to last chapter of the game. Um, I thought that the story for the first Cyber Sleuth was really fucking good. Um, it was really intense, especially in the second half. And uh, I, I, it, like, it really hit me. Um, that story does to in my opinion does not even compare to the story of hacker's memory hacker's memory is genuinely a phenomenal fucking narrative um so it's not a sequel to the first game it's more of a side story it happens alongside the events of the first game um you play as kind of a kind of a, a, a no-name guy at the literally at the beginning of the game he he was like he kind of tells the player like this is my story but like i'm i don't really consider myself a protagonist like i'm i don't consider myself the hero of the story um um basically what happened was his uh eden account which is like this virtual cyberspace that everybody kind of hangs out with and, and people work in and do shit like that um his account was stolen and he's contacted by a masked uh, a masked hacker named Kay, who throughout the first probably three quarters of the game uh, kind of gives him little breadcrumbs like, you know, I don't know who took your account, but, you know, this guy's a pretty, pretty big name hacker and it could have been him. He's very notorious for stealing accounts and selling them on the black market. So this could have been him. So you kind of track those people down. You fight them their accounts get deleted you raid their accounts and you're like well mine's not here so this this was a dead end um at the beginning of the game uh you join a hacker team called hootie um which have very colorful fucking characters uh that was one of my big praises for the first cyber sleuth game is i felt like they did a really good job at expressing all the different personalities of these characters um and i feel like hacker's memory does the exact same thing if not better um but the biggest dynamic, it, basically, there's two serious, you know, side characters, and then one of them, one of the members of Hootie, is uh, his name is Chitose. He's kind of like the comedic relief, so to speak. He's kind of like the funny guy that's there to kind of help move things along and calm people down and ease tension. Um, then you have uh, Ryuji, who is the leader of the team, and his little sister Erica, who is kind of like the like big brain tech support of the team. She doesn't really go out in the field a lot. She kind of just supports off from the sidelines. Well, a lot, uh, as the narrative takes its place, uh, you find out that Erica has a degenerative disorder 
uh, her brain is basically slowly but surely shutting down um, because of a car accident when she was younger that took the lives of her and Ryu both of her and Ryuji's parents. Um, so Ryuji has kind of been the one taking care of her all this time. Uh, her brain is slowly shutting down, and the only way doctors have been able to fix it is pretty much, I, I, from what I took of it, the biggest problem was the area of her brain that uh, handles memories is like the problem center. And so the way that they fixed that was like a special operation or therapy where she kind of hooks up to this machine and it erases her memory in person, but it backs her memories up on an Eden server. Um, and the company responsible is uh, Kamashiro, who is the big company in Cyber Sleuth that caused all the problems in the first place. Um, and Ryuji ends up doing kind of dark dealings with them on the side so he could get this therapy for Erica for free because um, they couldn't afford it otherwise. So he ends up doing a lot of really shady shit to make sure Erica's okay. Um, the sh shit really hits the fan at about chapter 11 or 12. Um, I don't know if you remember much of the story from the first game, but uh, the the Eater monsters that have leaked into Eden. Um, in the first Cyber Sleuth game, there is a place called the Under Zero server where all the hackers go to try to reclaim Eden, and they end up getting... It, it's a trap set by uh, Kabashiro, who releases all these eaters that uh, attack people and put them in comas, and Chitose is one of those people. Um, you join along with the gang from the first game. Uh, neither side knows you know, who's there or whatever. Uh, Chitose goes down. Ryuji starts to kind of have a mental breakdown because he was like, fuck, this is my fault. All of this is my fault. All of my dark dealings with this company caused this. It's all my fucking fault. Um, he ends up getting possessed. I, so to speak, by a uh, by a Digimon, pretty much, um, which I, I I haven't finished the game, so I'm not I haven't gotten to the conclusion of that storyline yet. Uh, but basically, he ends up feeling so sorry for himself that he feels like his problems are caused by everyone in his life, specifically his little sister. So he starts to resent her because he was like, I, he was like, I put myself in this position because of you. And because of that, I hate you for it. Um, and it, it, to me, it was a very emotional story. I, it plays a lot better than I'm able to explain it at 930 at night after a long day of work. But it, it's a very good fucking game. Um, this this game routinely goes on sale. I, I don't know how much it is on the PlayStation Store. I know that for whatever reason, they have removed the first Cyber Sleuth game from the PlayStation Store. Um, I'm not too quite sure why. But uh, on PC and Switch, you can buy the complete edition, which comes with both games and all DLC that was released for both games, which are have some really cool like added bonus missions. And this bundle routinely... Like, I swear to God, once every two months goes on sale on both the Switch and PC for like $15. Dude, $15 is a fucking steal for games this for games like these because these games will take you a long fucking time. The story loan, the story on their own is easy, a good 60 to 70 hours. Um, I, I really like that the complete edition actually keeps track of your time between both games because I am currently sitting at like 780 hours between both games. Oh my. 
yeah, these games are very grind-heavy. They are very much so grind-heavy. Um, but I've almost unlocked every Digimon in the game. I think I've got like 10 left that are just really fucking hard to get the stats for. Um, so I'm kind of grinding for those. And then I'm going to wrap up the story of Hacker's Memory. But I'm I'm really excited to finish it. Uh, I'm really stoked to see what they do with the Digimon story franchise as a whole. Uh, from what I know, there is a new Digimon story game in development alongside of Digimon Survive. Because um, they, they kind of took a pretty good hiatus because the last Digimon story games to come out in America were 2007. And that was Digimon Story Dawn and Dusk for the... Uh, mm -hmm. For the DS. the DS, yeah, uh, which I also am playing those those as well. I just didn't feel like talking about them today, but I am also playing those. Um, uh, I, I, there's a lot of confusion there because for some, for whatever fucking reason, when those games were translated, the names were changed to Digimon World Dawn and Dusk, so people kind of got them mixed up with the Digimon World sub franchise and not the story franchise. Um, even though they definitely belong in story. But these games are really fucking good, and if you like, uh, to me, Cyber Sleuth is better than anything Pokemon has done in like the last ten years. Hands fucking down. Um, it, it, this is the epitome. Uh, to me, Cyber Sleuth is the epitome of uh, the whole like monster ranching JRPG subgenre, and I really fucking dig it. I fucking love this game. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, that was it. Uh, we're done. We're out this bitch. We're it. We're done. Uh, let's get our picks of the week knocked out of the way, and then we'll get out of here. Oh, yeah. Um, mine is yet another song by Islands. <laughs> uh, new album is dropping in less than a month. I am Word. fucking stoked. Uh, this one's called Carpenter. Uh, this one feels a little bit more like a, uh, I don't want to say traditional island song, but definitely um, mm -hmm. feels a lot like some of their older material. Okay. Um, and I I dig it. Uh, Hell yeah. Check it out. Word. What you oh, got yeah. going on? Uh, my pick of the week uh, goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, and that is... Try TCG, man. They're fun. Uh, I've played, I've played Pokemon over the years. I played, I like I said earlier in the episode, I played Yu-Gi-Oh competitively until about two years ago. Um, I kind of dabbled in Magic: The Gathering. Uh, that's a little too big brain of a game for me. Um, it's a very long game, dude. Magic games take way longer than any other fucking TCG because uh, they're very slow start, but. Um, yeah, dude, just I I really enjoy TCGs. I love TCGs and tabletop games. Uh, I think that they're very creative. They're a very good way to uh, get your get your big brain juices flowing, um, and and they're just fun. Uh, me and David will we'll, we'll try pretty much any TCG that we find. Uh, I, I think I pretty much kind of got him into Digimon. We played it. He really fucking liked it. I'm in love with this fucking game. I'm gonna definitely gonna keep playing and try to grow in that game, um, but yeah, just just try it. I I know that's kind of a hard thing to say right now, considering a lot of TCGs are more or less sold out literally everywhere. 
because uh, as we've all said numerous times on the show, scalpers are single-handedly ruining every industry they can get their grimy little fucking hands on. Um, <laughs> but you can still find magic in stores everywhere. Yeah. All of yeah. it. I mean, I every target I go to is just overflowing with magic shit. Every one of them. Uh, me and David actually went out a couple weeks ago just for shits and giggles, and we waited in line at the Target in Buford. Uh, we got there at five thirty in the morning. We waited till they opened, got in, bought some baseball cards for his cousin. His cousin paid us double what we paid for him, so that was cool. We made a little bit of money uh, just for him to be an asshole and turn around and sell them for four times what he paid for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember talking. We we went to a couple different targets after that. We went to the one in Gainesville. And, and that one was doing things kind of odd. It didn't matter if you got in line or not. It You showed up, they took your name down, and then they randomly selected you from that list. Uh, and they would call you or text you and say, hey, you can come buy a TCG product now. Um, and I was, ta- I was talking to the lady and... Uh, she was like, yeah, like, you know, is there anything in particular you were looking at? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of just looking at Magic the Gathering. She was like, oh, you don't have to get on a list for that. Nobody fucking cares about that. <laughs> you can buy as much of that as you fucking want. I don't care. Um, yeah, so I I don't know why. I really don't understand why Magic isn't selling like everything else is. I, I, I haven't looked into it too much. I'm assuming it's because Magic has a set rotation. Um, if I, if I'm understanding correctly, every time a new magic booster set comes out, it phases out the previous one for competitive play. Um, but yeah, just, uh, try a TCG. They're fun. They're cool. They're cool pastimes. Very cool. Very, very cool, sir. All right. Well, uh, as always, you can find us on social media for all things culture, Bob hunting pixels and the culture, Bob family of content. Culture Bop is available on Twitter at Culture underscore Bop, on Instagram at Culture underscore Bop, on Facebook at The Culture Bop, and on YouTube at Culture Bop. Uh, like I said, that video should be coming relatively soon, probably in the next couple weeks. I'm um, excited about it. <clears throat> um, this podcast, Hunting Pixels, is available on Twitter at Pixels Hunting and on Instagram at Hunting underscore Pixels CB. Uh, I'm thinking that in order to make things a little bit more um, easy for us and for branding stuff, uh, I'm considering possibly combining the two of those things. Um, We'll see. Uh, But for now, they still exist separately. Uh, Check them out. I am available on Twitter at the Bebopman182 on Instagram at Bebopman182 and on Twitch, which I have not streamed at in forever. Uh, but we'll be getting back to you shortly, I promise. Uh, at the underscore Bebopman. Dylan is on Twitter at OMDZ, on Instagram at OMDZ, and on Twitch at OMDZ. Uh, he leads a life of seclusion now, so uh, I don't know... Um, don't know if that's worth it for you. <laughs> uh, finally, you can find Austin on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Stevens underscore, or at Big Papa Plays. On Twitch, he is at Big Papa Plays, and on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. And finally, if you're looking to support this podcast or any of the endeavors that we are undertaking as Culture Pop, then go to patreon.com slash 
Culture Pop and toss us a pledge. We're offering some very cool perks over there, like getting your questions and comments read on the episode, uh, as well as getting this show three days early and getting early access to videos before they drop on YouTube. Um, Once we start hitting our goals over there, even more content will be on the way. Uh, I've been thinking about how I want to plan out that stuff. And uh, I have thoughts on shows, um, stuff like that. Uh, I have this in the uh, show notes every week. um, And I'm going to do something a little bit more special than this. Um, But I wanted to give a special shout out to our patrons. Uh, Right now, um, we have... uh, Gilbert or Gilbezy Kitchens, uh, who's actually appeared on the show, as well as Justin Ruiz, who has also appeared on the show. Uh, that episode actually just dropped on Friday for the patrons and um, uh, Monday for everybody else. Uh, Shereem Khan, um, Tani Sulman, and uh, Cyan. Uh, they have all basically helped to um, make life a little bit easier on me uh, with their with their pledges, um, and I wanted to give them a little bit of a special shout out. I will actually have something a little bit more maybe elaborate um, next week, or not next week, but uh, next month um, for a little bit of a special shout out. But I just wanted to give them. Uh, uh, thanks for, for being patrons and for allowing us to do this show. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the end of the show. Um, I don't know how to end things. So, (laughs) uh, we will see you next week until then. Goodbye.